Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Out in courtrooms today in New York and Georgia. Now we know when the first trial of a former president is set to take place. It's just weeks away, and Donald Trump is responding. Plus, we also know, sort of, about the national security threat that had the head of the House Intelligence Committee publicly warning Americans just yesterday what Russia might possess and what the White House said today. Thanks for being with us. I'm Blake Berman, joined today by Scott Bolden, former D.C. Democratic Party chair. Denise Gitsum is a former aide to President George W. Bush. Michael Starr Hopkins is a Democratic strategist. And Mick Mulvaney, of course, the former White House Chief of Staff in the Trump Administration, News Nation contributor as well. The Hill on News Nation starts right now. All right, come on in. Thanks for being with us here on the Hill right off the top. She wants to put the former president in prison. But today it was Fonnie Willis, the district attorney in Fulton County, Georgia, who was put on the witness stand herself, having to explain when she began to have a sexual relationship with her top prosecutor. Now, this involves the Georgia case, which alleges massive coordination between Donald Trump and others to try to overturn that state's election results in 2020. However, defendants are now arguing that the relationship between the attorney and the top prosecutor means the case should be tossed. Willis decided to take the stand and was having none of it. You're confused. You think I'm on trial. These people are on trial for trying to steal an election in 2020. I'm not on trial, no matter how hard you try to put me on trial. And then there's this. In New York, a judge in Manhattan set, set a trial date in the Stormy Daniels hush money case against Donald Trump. We now know that on March 25th, the former president of the United States will stand trial, a first of its kind in this country. Donald Trump railed against the decision. So instead of being in South Carolina and other states campaigning, I'm stuck here. It's an election interference case. Nobody's ever seen anything like it in this country. It's a disgrace. All right, so we will get to the New York case in just a moment, but we begin tonight with what we saw in Georgia, and my, oh my, hello to you all with Fonnie Willis on the witness stand today. What a show. We're going to talk about the, the court case in a second. Mick Mulvaney, former Trump White House chief of staff for Donald Trump going forward, the presumed Republican nominee for yeah. president. What did today mean? Great day for Donald Trump. How so? No question about it, because it's, this is all entertainment. This is all, this is what the campaign has turned into, and he's turned the tables on. Now, he's not on trial today, Fenn. 
Danny Willis is on trial. Everybody's watching it. I don't know if you watched it. All the networks were yeah. carrying this live. <laughs> this is beautiful for Donald Trump. All free earned media. Plus, the trial starting um, in New York City in a, in a couple of weeks is also great for him because it's the weakest case. Okay. I've said before, the person who's probably most likely responsible for Donald Trump going back in the White House if he wins, Alvin Bragg. Okay, we'll get to that case in a second. Let's uh, bring in May Mailman. Former Trump White House attorney and director of the Independent Women's Law Center, friend of the show as well. May, thanks for being here. Scott, uh, I want your your thoughts on this as well. Just a a lightning round of questions here about what we saw in Georgia today. I mean, I can't respond to Mick Mulvaney. You'll get get there in a second. We'll get there in a second. And what it means. Um, (laughs) Connie Willis in Georgia. May, I'll start with you. Is she going to get kicked off the case? Yes or no? I go yes. Scott? No. Okay. Um, is, this case, is this case going to be dismissed, May? No. You think it's going to be dismissed? No way. All right, so you agree there. Will it be delayed, May? Yes, but it was always going to be delayed. It's delayed anyway, and the racketeering charges is going to make it the longest trial of all four trials. Okay, all right, May. So with all of that out of the way and sort of how you, you see everything, talk to me about what we saw today, May. Um... So uh, it was a train wreck uh, beyond <laughs> which even East Palestine has seen. Um, so I, a couple of, two big things. So one, it became apparent that uh, Fonnie Willis and her lover had lied about the uh, time that their relationship started. And as they tried to explain when it actually started, the lies started getting more and more awkward. Okay, that's one. Two, uh, they had alleged that Fonnie Willis did not actually uh, receive, you know, money basically from herself in taking herself on vacation because she had reimbursed for these trips with her lover. However, when they asked, how did you reimburse him? Cash. Okay, did you get the cash from a bank? Is there any sort of record of this cash? Thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. No record. Like, just it just came from the sky. Just magic cash. So, so what does this mean for the case? Scott? It, doesn't, it doesn't mean anything for the case. It means that we're going to do this sideshow. If there's one thing about Fawny Willis and Wade, this is the sideshow of their own making. I'll concede that. But in the end, this is about credibility. And I found both witnesses, whether you like them or not, they were really credible. And while the allegations of lying or cross-examination or catching them in a lie, if you will, the defense still has to make the argument that there is a conflict of interest. Right. And whether they started uh, before the mar- before the marriage, before the before the case <laughs> started, or whether they brought him on afterwards, you got to follow the money because okay. if the money, if she got a kickback, or if she brought this case to benefit him or herself, then you've got a conflict okay. or an appearance of conflict. But the, the defense has not proven that. So this, for the first time. Uh, I, I would think, and I know you know Fonnie Wellis uh, fairly mm-hmm. well, but yeah. for the rest of America, for the most part, this was sort of the first time we, we got to see her, right? And got to hear her for a, quite a, a long amount of time. And this, in part, is what she said at one point, and I'll, I want to get everyone's reaction on the other side. Mr. Wade is used to women that, uh, as he told me one time, the only thing a woman can do for him is make him a sandwich. We would have brutal arguments about the fact that I am your equal. I don't need anything from a man. A man is not a plan. A man is a companion. And so there was tension always in our relationship. 
All right. So that was part of the way that she responded. Uh, is this the way, and to everyone else, is this the right way to sort of introduce yourself to the country and say, I'm the one to, to be prosecuting Donald Trump? But she's not introducing herself to the country. De but, facto, but the fact she is. Hold on. De facto, she is, in your opinion. <laughs> but what she's trying to show is that she didn't receive any benefits from him, which is a key factor issue in the case, that she didn't receive any benefits, that she paid her way. And one of the reasons why she paid her way is because of how he viewed her as not being equal and how she but viewed Scott, herself you know, as I, I not being equal. Know that, now, listen... That, Every American doesn't care. Like, they, don't know, they don't know the details of well, this. The defense they don't is care. the one that brought this case and this sideshow. The fact that, let me tell you something. Having sex with somebody on the same team inherently is not a conflict of interest. But we are this talking is about, about the money this. Piece. And if the money didn't benefit anyone, then this goes away. And her colloquialism and her shaking her head or what have you and her explaining why she was an equal to the <laughs> person that she loved and slept with, so what? That's a sideshow within the sideshow. Say all you want in defense of well, your, right. your team. <laughs> it's okay. I'm I mean, right I love too. to watch the Democrats go at it. I know. But here's I'm the right. thing: this woman is an unmitigated disaster on TV. Everything she says looks like a lie, and she has absolutely zero ability to substantiate anything she says to counter the allegations. There, she said something about going to the grocery store and overpaying, and that's how she got money. Yeah. Instead of going you, to an ATM, like she what said, both. Kind of, he's, he's yeah, both. No, but here, she said both. Real quick, real quick and then, and then, back. And then I want to talk about New York because, store. by the way, <laughs> we know when the former president of the United States is going to go on trial. Actually, that's that's only the second biggest story today, believe it or not. But go on. Two things can be true. I can believe that Donald Trump interfered in that election, and also believe that what she did today, the District Attorney Willis, was unprofessional and an embarrassment. But was it credible? Scott is absolutely right as a lawyer, and absolutely wrong as a politician. Okay. If this is a legal case, he's right. It's not a legal case to Donald Trump. Okay. All right. Speaking of Donald Trump, back in New York. By the way, we're going to get back to you on this because there's a second <laughs> one here. Enough, huh? uh, he, Donald Trump lashed out at the decision today that his criminal case in New York City involving hush money payments to Stormy Daniels will proceed. Now, the trial start date is March 25th, meaning for the first time in the history of this country, a former president of the United States will have a criminal case against them. Here was the former president outside the courtroom. I'll be here during the day and I'll be campaigning during the night. Biden should be doing the same thing, but he'll be sleeping. <laughs> okay, May Mailman, former attorney in the Trump White House, come on back in. And again, just a few questions here with you and Scott to sort of set the table. The election first week of November, this case starting on March 25th. When do you think, May, this case will end? I give it... Two and a half months. The judge said six weeks, but it'll be done by the time of the election. All right. So summer-ish, she says, essentially, Scott. It'll be over by the end of April, maybe April 25th. It'll take a week to pick the jury. But mm. this is a paper case, and they can get through this in two weeks as long as they can corroborate what his former lawyer says about what he did. Okay. So we obviously don't know what the uh, outcome is going to be. But if there is a conviction, and that is an if, May, if there is a conviction... Does that mean that Donald Trump could be, and of course he would appeal, but does that mean that Donald Trump could be in prison that day? I mean, on the books, well, after he's sentenced, then technically he could, but he won't go to jail. 
You need a pretrial report, a probation report. He'll stay out on bail while they appeal it okay. because he's the former, former president. president of the eventually, the bottom line is he can't outrun jail. And if he gets convicted of 34 counts or if he gets convicted of two or three counts and has not entered a plea deal, okay, he's going to be sentenced to incarceration. Do you think any, he, any yes. chance that appeal process ends before the election? Maybe. Okay. It, 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 there's no time. Yeah, what about that one, May? Okay. Uh, appeals process before the election, as Mick rightly points out. Good question. Um, I, I think it'll be ongoing, but you know, he, he could have 136 years in prison. Like that's what he's facing, but it is very common practice that, uh, first time, you know, offenders are not going to get any jail time. So I just don't see Alvin Bragg giving Trump the election like that, like putting him in jail and actually just physically handing him the election. That said, Alvin Bragg basically already physically handed him the election with this charade. So maybe he is that stupid. I don't know. The problem with the Republicans is they like to draw a dichotomy between politics and and the president running for office and the criminal justice system. They're mutually exclusive. He may not have a prior record, but if he gets convicted of 34 counts or 10 counts or 5 counts, these are felonies. And he's going to be sentenced to incarceration. He's not getting probation if he gets sentenced to, uh, if he gets uh, found guilty. It's just not going to happen. State or federal. This explains why everyone asks, why is Nikki Haley still in? So that was my next question. Exactly why. But I'm bummed. I mean, if you're, that went through my mind today. If you're Nikki Haley, are you like, see? Yeah, this is why. This kind of reminds me. Again, and we don't know like what's going to happen. I'm just playing out hypothetical. We've had this before. During Hillary Clinton, we had Bernie Sanders stick around for a while. Like, we've had these kind of campaigns before. And I think you're going to have Nikki Haley slash her budget, but kind of stick around and have an in case the emergency happens campaign. They add a little bit to that. Keep in mind, no one has actually dropped out of the race with the exception, I think, of maybe a shot. That's a suspension. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. Well, there's a bunch of different reasons, including finance, but nobody's actually gone away. Remember, there's a timing issue, too, depending on when all this happens. Right. It may be up to the delegates of the RNC to pick whoever the new nominee will when, be. When, when May said you think that she thinks that uh, Alvin Bragg won't do this before the election because it would hand Donald Trump the election, mm. you want to replay for the folks what your response was? Mick was fist-pumping <laughs> because that's what you believe. This is the weakest of the four cases. Keep right. in mind, Trump was struggling before these criminal cases. Right. Ron DeSantis was sort of ascended. Other folks were getting in the race. They thought they saw weakness in Donald Trump. And then he got charged by Alvin Bragg. And it was such a weak case, so politically motivated, that even some Democrats forced to come to Trump's defense, Trump was then able to use that and say, look, all the other cases are just as weak as this. Again, I say it again, Alvin Bragg, probably more responsible for Donald Trump's victory than anybody if he wins. He may be responsible for the nomination, but if he gets convicted, I don't care, and these are weak cases, um, independents and and conservative Democrats won't. Mm -hmm. I think that's fair. May Mailman, stick around with us here, because on the other side of the break, uh, did you see... A, a, there's a brand new report out from the Washington Post about what President Biden's attorneys, his personal attorney and his White House attorney, what they sent to the Attorney General Merrick Garland on the day before the special counsel report came out. It wasn't niceties. It wasn't how you doing and what's the weather like in your neighborhood. What the president's attorney said to the attorney general. And is that the right response that's on the other side of the break? And taking a live look at the U.S. Capitol as lawmakers learn more about that national security threat posed by Russia. Remember yesterday, we were trying to figure out what on earth is this threat that the head of the House Intelligence Committee was talking about? Well, today, the White House and lawmakers up on the Hill are talking. That's when the Hill on News Nation returns. Stay with us.
late night politics? Excuse me if I just want to laugh just a little. Stay up all evening with Antenna TV and enjoy your favorite classic sitcoms. Designing Women. You're kidding! I'll be still my heart. Becker. Check out the Hippocratic Oath. It doesn't mention nice. Wings. I'm laughing already. Classic comedy all day, all night on... This is The Making of America from the Jefferson Media Group. He considered himself a terrific painter, but unfortunately he was the only one who did. After being turned down for another painting job, he put aside his artist aspirations and focused his attention on electricity, and soon the whole world was glad he did. Samuel Morris was born in 1791 and would die at the age of 80 in 1872, but not before inventing the Morris Code, a sequence of dots and dashes that remains today as the standard for the transmission of data. Samuel Morris was one of the 19th century's biggest contributors to the development of mass communications. This has been The Making of America. I'm Michael Emerson, and you can visit us at jeffersonmediagroup.com. Did you know that many African Americans are waiting for bone marrow transplants and you can help them? Hi, I'm Dr. Griffin Rogers, Director of the National Institute of Diabetes, Digestive, and Kidney Diseases at NIH. To match bone marrow donors with patients who need transplants, Doctors use a test called HLA tissue typing. A close match between a patient's and donor's tissue type can improve the chances of saving a life. Unfortunately, 70% of patients aren't able to find a matching tissue type in their families. Many people turn to the Be the Match registry where potential donors have signed up. Patients are most likely to match donors with their same racial or ethnic heritage, so please consider stepping up and joining the registry. You may save a life. To learn how to join the Be The Match registry, follow us at NIDDKGov. This is Dr. Griffin Rogers. This is News Nation, reporting that's down the middle. That's why we're America's fastest-growing cable news network. Are you prepared for an emergency or disaster? Because it's not a matter of if, but when. Don't find yourself saying, (laughs) when the storm rolls in, my time to find a pet-friendly evacuation center will have run out. The scorching heat wave will leave me powerless to cool my insulin. I'll face a hurricane without meds. Now that's a tough pill to swallow. Let's prepare so we all have a better story to tell. Get started at ready.gov slash older adults. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Every moment counts if you're at risk or living with lung cancer. And anyone with lungs can get lung cancer. It causes more cancer deaths than breast, colon, and prostate combined. And while there may be moments where you question your next step, through it all, GoTo for Lung Cancer is here for you. We are your community. For screening, treatment, and survivorship support, GoTo is your go-to. Confronting lung cancer starts here. Visit goto.org. For some children, a single surgery can turn an untreated cleft into a smile for life. But at Smile Train, we understand that most children need a little extra care. They need medical, dental, and emotional resources to grow healthy and strong, to express themselves clearly, and to navigate all of life's challenges so that their smiles light up the room as brightly as possible. 
Visit SmileTrain.org to learn how SmileTrain is supporting the cleft community with lifelong smiles. Hill here on News Nation. So we saw publicly last week how President Biden and the White House tried to push back against Special Counsel Robert Hur's assertions of the president's bad memory. This was in the in the Special Counsel report. But today, the Washington Post is now reporting the behind-the-scenes pressure on the Attorney General Merrick Garland. Now, the day before the report was released, according to the Post and the letter that they have produced, the president's White House and personal counsel wrote to the attorney general a lengthy letter at one point saying, quote, we object to the multiple denigrating statements about President Biden's memory, which violate longstanding DOJ practice and policy. The lawyers also went on to argue that hers general assertions about the president's memory had, quote, no law enforcement purpose. All right. So you've got the president's personal attorney, the white, a White House attorney going to the Biden DOJ and the head of the Department of Justice, Merrick Garland, and giving a forceful behind-the-scenes pushback. May, come on in. Mick, I'll start with you. Is this appropriate? I love it. Sure, what it's do you appropriate. Love? Okay. Because, because what was Donald Trump attacked for for four years? That he was interfering with the Department of Justice. Remember, when Trump was in office, the Department of Justice was supposed to be independent of the White House. They were beating on, and the press was all of the time. Here's the Democrats doing exactly what they accused Trump of doing. I love the turnabout. I don't know about exactly the same thing as Trump was doing, because it is not Barr, Barr went and changed the report, changed the summary exactly. after the Russia report and if came Gar- out. If Garland, Garland had done did, that, would have that been okay? I, I that wish would, Garland I, had done that. I don't. I, I don't wish <laughs> it. So it would have been okay. No, no it wouldn't have been okay. But here's, here's the deal. You can have, listen, her works for DOJ, even as a special prosecutor, and DOJ has final sign-off on it, these are gratuitous political statements about his memory that have nothing to do with whether he can be prosecuted or not prosecuted. Only to a partisan person, because no, the they couldn't conscience prove it beyond of a reasonable the departure... So you're saying the guy with a longest-standing career civil servant, the conscience of the DOJ who signed off on the acceptability of this report is wrong because you're coming... Well, so may, hold on, I want, to bring, I want to bring May in, because she was an attorney in the Trump White White House. Um, (coughs) Excuse me, May. So when you learned of this this afternoon, of the pressure from within a White House onto the sitting attorney general and the Department of Justice, you thought appropriate or no? I mean, in a sense, they can ask for whatever they want. But I think what they're asking for is idiotic, because if they don't include that Biden is too brain dead to be charged, then Biden gets charged. Right. So you're saying that you just want Biden to be charged for a crime. And second of all, this is going to come out. The report, you know, what happened, the transcript, the video, whatever there is, it is going to come out. And so do you want an October surprise or do you want people to say, oh, Biden has a bad memory, which they already know. So, so one it, of the things that yeah, and one of the things that the attorneys objected to uh, was they say this was essentially like Jim Comey 2.0. You mentioned the, the October surprise and, and, and they sort of warned against that. Yeah, well, here you have a special uh, counsel that has been hired. And so any change that Garland would have issued to the report would have been investigated by Congress. And uh, her is going to testify in a few weeks uh, or sooner to Congress. So even that pressure, if, if her would have said, you know what, I actually did recommend that Biden be charged, but then the personal lawyers contacted me, and so I just buried it. Is that, <laughs> okay, is that the testimony that they want? Hold on one second. As a, as a former prosecutor, mm-hmm. the fact that Biden has a bad memory and would be sympathetic to a jury 
is completely irrelevant as to whether he should be charged or not. And here's why. Because if Biden is charged and he's a defendant, he doesn't have to take the stand. Exactly. He can sit there. But how can he be, hold on? How can he be sympathetic to a jury if he doesn't have to say anything? The burden right. of proof is on the government. But don't they have to prove that, that, that actual the charges will actually stick? That's one of the considerations well, of whether to move forward or not. Yeah, they have to prove and if criminal he's intent. Be sympathetic, like the, so how the can jury he be sympathetic, sympathetic if he doesn't have to take a jury? Remember anything, Scott? I want to bring. Doesn't have to be charged. He doesn't have to believe or say anything under the Constitution. Michael, Michael Star, bring you the Constitution. So, Michael Star Hopkins, peace in the hill. Nice time down at this end of the day. Yeah, no, no, no. We're Mick and Michael hanging out there. Michael, uh, in the hill. Headline, story you just wrote, quote, transparency and a touch of self-deprecation can rewrite President Biden's narrative. Bingo. As a Democratic strategist, oh, he says bingo. Yep. Uh, as a Democratic strategist, you mean what? I think he's got to own this. Look, even Republicans who may not like his policies like Joe Biden and think he's a good man. I think he needs to go in front of the American public with an Oval Office address, something that shows the seriousness of the moment and say to the American public, look, I'm not the person at 65 or at 81 that I was at 65, but that's okay. Look at my legislative agenda. Look at what I've passed. Look at what I've done. And make light of the fact that while he's getting older, he has also gotten wiser. So, so if a staffer, let's just say you were a staffer, right, uh, comes to the chief of staff, let's just say you were the, the Biden chief of staff if you were uh, Jeff Zients, yeah. and Michael brings that idea to you, you say what? I absolutely want to talk with the campaign about it. I think it's a viable alternative. Keep in mind... We made the same mistake, or at least the president's legal team made the same mistake during the first impeachment. They treated it as a legal proceeding. Impeachment is not a legal proceeding. It is a political proceeding. This is a political element. What Michael just described really is making lemonade out of lemons, right? Oh. Embrace it. Ronald Reagan did it in a different kind but of way. But it hasn't worked. Walter, but because they haven't embraced it. Biden has made so many jokes about his age already. So many. Well, what people don't like? No, and I think they should have listened to you. I told you it was a beautifully written piece, and I really think that you know yeah. they should take your thoughts into consideration, but I think that they have. Biden has gotten out there and he said, "I'm, I'm 101 years old." And guess what? More and more people continue to believe him because that's how but he's I acting. Think, I think Last there's a level of insult that people feel that they don't feel like people are actually acknowledging the fact that Biden is old and he's lost a step. That is okay. Own it. If you don't own it and run from it, you got a problem. May Mailman, thank you. Great to hang out with you as always. We'll see you again soon. Thanks, May. Thanks, Blake. Yep, uh, and there is still much more ahead here on the Hill, including satellites, weapons, and Russia. The White House is now addressing a national security threat that was mentioned by the head of the Intelligence Committee. This was a, a big question mark yesterday. Now we have answers today. On the other side of the break, we speak with the number two from the House Intelligence Committee. And does the House GOP miss their old speaker, Kevin McCarthy? <laughs> Do they? And who is Mick watching on the Democratic side right now? Hot Mike with Mick coming up here on the Hill. Stay with us. Brian's going to actually show you the route. With the insider details you'll only find on News Nation. Pieces of the puzzle are starting to come together in this mystifying case. Banfield, weeknights at 10, 9 central, only on America's fastest growing cable news network, News Nation. To find News Nation on your screen, go to joinnn.com or stream News Nation on Apple CarPlay and Alexa. 
Welcome back here to The Hill on News Nation. So we are learning more now about what House Intelligence Committee Chairman Mike Turner is calling a, quote, serious national security threat. The White House is now saying that Russia is in the process of developing what they describe as an anti-satellite weapon. But they also say at this moment there is no immediate threat. First, this is not an active capability that's been deployed. And though Russia's pursuit of this particular capability is troubling, there is no immediate threat to anyone's safety. We are not talking about a weapon that can be used to attack human beings or cause physical destruction here on Earth. Now, a group of top congressional leaders known as the Gang of Eight here in Washington were also briefed on the threat today by the White House's national security advisor, Jake Sullivan. Afterwards, they went before the cameras. It is a very serious matter. It does involve Russia. It's not a matter that can involve delay. It's something we have to address seriously and on an immediate basis. And With um, my ranking member, Jim Himes, we believe that it was important enough to notify the other members of Congress as this is unfolding. There will be, I think, times in which Congress needs to be engaged in support of the administration. Okay, so you'll remember at around this time yesterday, this statement was put out by Mike Turner with no details. And so the question was, what is this national security threat? And Mike Turner, there was supposed to be this meeting anyways. Why is Mike Turner talking about this right now so cryptically? Top story last night on TheHill.com, Mulvaney absolutely stunned by national security warning. That was the top, top red, on, red story on The Hill. Yeah, here's why. Mike Turner and the committee and the president did not need to declassify this information in order to discuss it with the people that Mike Turner said he wanted to discuss it with. You don't need to declassify to talk to members of Congress. You don't need to classify it to talk to our allies, okay? So clearly, in my mind, there's a political motivation here. What I heard last night is this actually has more to do with the FISA reauthorization, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, which they were supposed to vote on either tonight or tomorrow. And that's punted for And they blew weeks. up last night right. in part because of what Mike Turner said, and they all went home today. Because of this, it blew Blew up. So FISA is when you can collect information on foreigners, and part of the concerns are, well, when you do that, are you also collecting on Americans when they don't know about it? And one of the rare topics that divide the party right down the middle. There's Republicans who are for it, Republicans who are against it, Democrats are for it, Democrats against it. This does not follow party lines. It's a, always an interesting discussion, but Mike Turner really threw sort of a turd in the punch bowl last night on renew, Bra- renewing FISA. Brad Wen- Congressman Brad Wenstrup, who's the number two on the House Intelligence Committee, joining us in a couple minutes here. Um, but when, when we learn about what Russia's developing here, that's, that's the other headline. Yeah, but there's another angle to this that, that Mick, I want to get your response on. If Russia is doing this research, then why isn't the U.S. doing the same research? Who's they gotten ahead of us? Who's yeah. right, exactly. Who, that, that they maybe have gotten ahead of us? Because if they're looking at this, we should be looking at it as well. I just had I mean, a side question, too. Is this to increase the funding for Ru- or for Ukraine, given that that... This is what uh, we discussed. Blake had suggested that last night, yeah. and it came, to, it came to mind. I'm like, yeah, that makes some sense. When I talked to members last night, they said, no, this had more to do with FISA mm-hmm. uh, than it did with anything else. And that's a, that's a contentious issue every single time it comes up for renewal on the Hill. I just think it's sad that when the White House and then Speaker Johnson are both telling us to it's okay, don't worry. I still feel very stressed. I don't have any confidence in anyone to actually handle this issue. And when you understand what they're actually developing, I don't know if it's near term or long term, but I know that whatever it is that they're doing can take out all of our military capacities overnight. Okay. Uh, joining us now, I mentioned, is Brad Wenstrup. He is a, con- a congressman from the state of Ohio. He is also a member of the Select Intelligence Committee. Congressman, thanks for being with us here on the Hill once again. Appreciate the time, sir. Congressman Turner, the head of that committee, did he need to do 
what he did, and if so, was the way he did it the right way of going about it? Well, let me put it this way. The vote on this has now been revealed, and it was 23 to 1, so obviously in a very bipartisan fashion. You know, you, and you want to say that maybe it had something to do with FISA. I will Can you tell explain you yourself that we're there? not far what, what, what apart What vote are you referring to? I'm sorry. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, the vote to uh, bring in other members of Congress to see what the threat was, because that's, that's really what it comes down to. Uh, so a couple of things. So it was 23 to 1 on that vote, as has been reported now. And so it, it wasn't a partisan issue, that's for sure. You mentioned FISA, so if I could just put that to rest for a second for you, too. We're only varying on a few things in FISA reform. That's the debate. Not whether to do it or not. That is not the debate. So let's be clear. If the debate going on in the House of Representatives over FISA is over a couple of issues, but not over whether or not to do FISA reform. So going back to the issue as far as <clears throat> releasing this, everyone felt that this was a serious threat that the members of Congress should be aware about. And if we don't think that members of Congress should be aware about our national security threats, then we have a problem here. Because I think that they do. Now, the details may be of the threat. We can keep limited. Those types of things. We didn't feel like the White House was responding to what we knew as the threat on the Intelligence Committee. And we want to have some type of reaction. I mean, look, there is a concern. I mean, you have seen appeasement from this administration in many ways. We have got to be tougher on these types of things. We have to be ahead of the game, as I think someone mentioned. Were we falling behind? Do we have the capabilities? There's a reason we developed a space force. Understand that these things are coming from the people that are in the know, whether it's Armed Services Committee, Intelligence Committee. These are people that are in the know that are making decisions so what, along this line. What, and we want to make sure say? that something is being done. What would you say to Congressman Ogles, a Republican, a member of your conference, who said it's become clear that the intent was not to ensure the safety of our homeland and the American people, but rather to ensure additional funding for Ukraine and passage of FISA? Well, I would say this. I never heard that mentioned one time as we discussed this issue in the Intelligence Committee. Not one time. I didn't hear one member talk about that. And, you know, Mr. Ogles, he, he's got the... Uh, responsibility as a member of Congress. I hope that he went and, and read what the threat was. Um, but he can have his opinion, and he might have a motive for his opinion. Uh, but I don't think that that was a motive behind what we were talking about. We take national security very seriously, and this threat and the potential capability is, is very concerning. Look, people didn't have much concern about gain-of-function research until it had the capability to possibly create a pandemic. Hey, Brad, it's Mick. A quick question on this 23 to 1 vote, because I hear what you're saying. I understand that's bipartisan. Here's my question. That's to tell the members, and I get that. You and I have been on these briefings together even before you were on Intel, and the committee yep. has to say, let's go tell the members. But you don't have to go public with it. You don't have to declassify to do that. Everybody there has got a classification that they can go to those meetings. We used to do it all the time. So why go public with it? I think that's the, that's the issue here, not telling the members. I think it's the right thing to do, but why tell the public? Well, telling the, telling the members, as you said, is the right thing to do, and it should have stayed right there. Uh, and, and in essence, besides leaks maybe from members of Congress, 
the information has come from the White House and the Pentagon. But you got to understand, we weren't getting responses as to what our response was going to be to this and how we were going to counter this threat. And so we wanted members of Congress to know, which, as you know, with the more members of Congress feel impassioned about something, the more the White House is inclined to react. Con Con uh, I wish it hadn't leaked, uh, but you, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I was just, and, and last question to you. This is one of those issues where you actually have, you know, the, the House Speaker and Republicans and the White House saying we're on it. Like, we, we've all talked about this, we're, we're on it. We, we've got a handle of this. Do you trust that the Biden administration, the Biden Defense Department, et cetera, uh, is on top of this threat and can handle it going forward as it relates to Russia? Well, understand the role of the Intelligence Committee. I hope that the Intelligence Committee uh, on behalf of all the members of the representatives and on behalf of the government can say, yes, our government is on it. And that's what we're hoping to get out of this at this point anyway, is where the White House has a conversation with the Intelligence Committee, uh, which, by the way, in its current state with the members that we have now with plenty of intelligence experience and national defense experience, we don't leak. Okay. And we take our, these concerns very seriously, right. both sides of the aisle. Congressman, got to leave it there. We thank you for the time, and we will see you back here on the Hill soon. Congressman Brad Wenstrup of the Intelligence Committee. Thank you, sir. All right, coming up, still here from the Hill, President Biden is facing questions about his age, about his mental fitness, as you know. So what does Mick think could come next? He wrote about it in the Hill. Hot mic with Mick on the other side of the break. You shrug. I, I, I love the name. I you love the name? I love the name. It's catchy, you know? <laughs> it is catchy. I think it looks better in print than it does spoken out loud. Well, with, I mean, with that jacket, anything looks <laughs> good. Yeah. The ladies, the ladies yeah. approve this. Yeah, okay. <laughs> look sharp. What Mick has to say and what he's sweater. hearing in Republican circles. <laughs> Stay with us. You look good, Mick. Over picking Mike Johnson as the Speaker of the House. Here, for example, is an article from Politico even saying, quote, Kevin McCarthy has never looked so good. Here is a tweet from Thomas Massey, Republican, Kentucky, quote, getting rid of Speaker McCarthy has officially turned into an unmitigated disaster. He goes on to list a handful of reasons why, ending with our majority has shrunk. Mick. What you hearing? It's real. Okay. Uh, and Thomas Massey is not the biggest McCarthy fan in the whole world. He's de he's sort of perceived within the party as being an independent. He's sort of libertarian, but he, he he speaks his mind. He speaks the truth. He's not sort of beholden to anybody. He's also the swing vote many times on the the critical rules committee, and it's perceived as being one of the the reasonable people that McCarthy put on that rules committee. So when he comes out on the record. Mm. On the record and says that he wishes McCarthy was back. That carries a lot of weight. Keep in mind, Mike Johnson is just, he's in a weak position. He's yeah. going to be in a weak position anyway because of the, the narrowness of the margin. <clears throat> but to have semi-open revolt right. um, is, is going to be tough to deal with. The headline is Kevin McCarthy has never looked so good. I think Kevin McCarthy has probably never felt so good, right? I mean, Getting out of here and not having hey, to deal with by this. by the way, I saw him at the Super Bowl. He was about 10 rows ahead of me. Oh, he you look like right. oh, that's right. right. When I was at the Super Bowl, yeah, the former House Speaker, where you were going to say. Know, he wasn't the first, second, third. He was the fourth choice. Okay, mm -hmm. like we got to remember that this is somebody who stepped in, and thank 
God he's a man of deep faith because he's going to need all the help he can get from above <laughs> to hold on to this job. You're on fire. There is nobody. He was no other nobody can wins. do this job. Well. No other yeah, nobody There's wants this right. job. This is the most thankless well, job. It is the most thankless job. But Mike Johnson's biggest problem is he doesn't have a win yet, a big win yet. How and, can he and even win? if it's a small win, <laughs> if he gets wins, he's got a, then he gets people following him and supporting him. That's absolutely right, but he's got a bigger problem, which is he doesn't have the goodwill built up. Yeah. Like Kevin McCarthy raised literally hundreds mm. of millions of dollars mm. for Republican candidates while yeah. he's here. He's helped a lot of people get here. But a whole Mike, lot of them. still threw him out. They still <laughs> threw him out. Mike Johnson's biggest problem is that at any point he can be removed from office yeah. by a single vote. I know. That was and the margin is razor thin. All right, Mulvaney's op-ed out in the hill, and the hill, excuse me, titled, <laughs> if Democrats seek a replacement for Biden, Here's who will help guide them. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm going I'm to talk a little bit now, and we're going to watch Scott's head explode. <laughs> this yesterday. So the piece was essentially this. Well, I don't know if the Democrats are going to replace Biden or not, although we've got a nice little side bet with Mr. Bolden on that as of tonight. <laughs> but my point was this. If they do it, I just don't see them going with Kamala Harris. And the other thing that Scott disagrees with, if they're not going to pick the highest ranking African-American woman in the government to replace Joe Biden and the sitting vice president, they're going to have to sort of have cover with the African-American community. And the point of the piece was, if you start to hear Barack Obama, for sure, everybody knows about him. Jim Clyburn from South Carolina, one of the most highly regarded members of the African-American congressional, um, the Congressional Black Caucus in politics. He was the one who sort of put that whole Bernie Sanders mess to bed in 2000 and, and, uh, and 16, in 2020. So if you see him going on TV saying he likes Gretchen Whitmer or he likes uh, Gavin Newsom, then you should pay attention. Is, is that some South Carolina bias from you? Sure it is, but I also, I also, I also know what, what role he plays. He is, it would be, short of Barack Obama, you would be hard-pressed to find someone more highly regarded within that. He that just you, were not, you were agreeing with well, Nick. Well, he just stepped, stepped down from House leadership, mm-hmm. which now leads me to believe, based on that, is there a question about whether he wants to be in a leadership position if there is some sort of delegate issue let down me, the road? Let me say this. Whenever the Republicans <laughs> start talking about Democrats, they think like Republicans, you need to think like a Democrat. Okay. It ain't happening. How do I do I, that? I, it ain't happening. It ain't happening. I mean, it's not happening because Kamala Harris is extremely popular with young voters, with gay voters, hold Literally on, black nobody. voters, Latino voters. That's the base of the Democratic Party. That's the first thing. Second of all, there's no one that could replace her that would be acceptable to the African-American community. And I don't see Clyburn coming out and walking away from her. And be honest with you, if something happens to Biden, God forbid, yeah. right, she has a lot of support in this party. You said the same thing yesterday. I'll say uh-huh. the same same thing I said to you off the air, which is, I'm not making this up. This came from David Ignatius in the Washington Post. That's a big Democrat name in a big Democrat podium. That's the, 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 the White party, House. Though. No, he doesn't. He but doesn't. if David Ignatius is talking about it in public, people are talking about it in private. Well, please yeah. repeat what I said, because I'm, I represent <laughs> a lot of Democrats, if you will. I, I don't think like a Republican or a Democrat on this. I think like a strategist. I think like somebody who wants to You're win. Still a Republican, the best though. thing that can happen, and I'm grateful, thank God for that. Oh, gosh. The, the best thing that can happen to us to Republicans mm-hmm. is that we keep Kamala on the ticket because mm-hmm. she's the only person that has a lower approval rating than President Biden. Plus. And frankly, we should be running ads saying, just remember, a vote for Biden is a vote for a President Kamala. Okay, just real quick, real quick. Kamala Harris, I get Kamala the Harris off the ticket is going to be a huge <laughs> issue for African-Americans because if you kick the first black vice president off the ticket, who do you replace her with? It's got to be someone who's African-American as well. Michelle Obama. Obama. No. Yeah, I, 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 I want to know what Mick thinks about this because the spokesperson... Uh, for the White House Counsel's Office, Ian Sams, has sent a letter to the president of the White House Correspondents Association. That's that's the group for 
White House correspondence. Uh, <laughs> in it, he, he said, quote, he's writing to, quote, express concern about how member organizations have reported on the recent report by special counsel Robert Hur. Now, in the letter, Ian Sams adds, quote, Many outlets have reported striking inaccuracies that misrepresent the report's conclusion about the president. And reporters in the White House briefing room have asked questions that include false content or based on false premises. Now, he ended the letter by saying that senior advisors would be happy to discuss the issue. Here's how the White House Correspondents Association head, who happens to be Kelly O'Donnell of NBC News, one of the nicest responded, quote, In its 110-year history, our association has never controlled or policed the journalism that is published or broadcast by our members or their employers. In my, I don't know, six-and-a-half-year history, I never, Mick, former White House chief of staff, remember the White House telling reporters, you're doing a bad job, essentially. Oh, but we thought it every single (laughs) time. I know you thought it, but you never wrote the White House Correspondents Association essentially saying, do a better job. Yeah, because we knew it wouldn't make a difference. When a Democrat right. president exactly. is complaining about the mainstream press giving him bad coverage, <laughs> things are really ugly. Really bad. Uh, and just from a perspective of a Democrat, I don't know why Ian would want to put his name on Boom. this letter. Yep. You know this letter is going to go public. You know it's going to look whiny. It's not a good look, especially coming from a Democratic administration. Well, you know, th- this Who goes, set him th- up for so, this? So this goes to the whole pushback, right? Because we... It, at, the top of the show or in the middle of the show we talked about this new washington post reporting about how they sent a letter to merrick garland right so if you're sending letters to merrick garland you're going to be sending letters he to the white house correspondence so association sensitive. he's awfully yeah, quiet but there's no because <laughs> you all jumped in listen there's no downside to doing this sometimes you do things so you can say you did it and you did complain but there's no downside to him signing this because it's a legitimate complaint maybe they Isn't start to write yeah. differently and if you don't like the complaint then the the squeaky wheel gets the most yeah, oil whiny. if you whine about everything they then don't when you have whine about everything they in never six have years he's before. never seen a letter go over like that you uh, want to write a letter to Before those were under Trump. <laughs> yeah, there, there you go. There you go. I don't right. think it's a big deal. All right. Coming up, President Biden uh, is headed to East Palestine, Ohio, tomorrow to visit the site of the toxic train derailment. But would he drink the water there? What do you think? What do you think the president's going to do tomorrow? Leland Vitter joins me on the other side of the break. Stay with us. You're watching The Hill on News Nation. That's great. Thanks, guys. <laughs> News Nation tonight. A tragic ending to the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl victory parade. A family of three were there. All shot. All survived. They joined Chris to share their story. Cuomo tonight, 8, 7 central, only on News Nation. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to The Hill here on News Nation. So President Biden is set to travel to East Palestine, Ohio tomorrow, a little more than a year after the toxic train derailment affected that town. The White House press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, was asked earlier today if the president would taste the drinking water during his visit. Here's what she said. I can say this, that the president has no concerns with drinking, uh, drinking the water uh, in East Palestine. The EPA uh, is uh, confident that the drinking water is safe. Confident the drinking water is safe 
Leland Vitter, host of On Balance. Hello, hello. Yeah, you know this from the White House briefing room. The most important thing is what they don't say. Yeah. I didn't hear that he would drink the water. Uh, the Secret Service food testers might have some questions. <laughs> well, like, and, and how do you go about setting that up, right? Like, do you go into... Well, the White House advance? Come on, you know how this works. Yeah, they no, they so, pick a resident, he so walks they, down the street, he walks in, the pool's there. That's how takes, they could do it. They go into yeah. a restaurant or they go into huh. Mr. and Mrs. Jones's house, whoever. It, there's, it lot, there's lots of ways they could do it if they wanted to. If they want to, mm-hmm. right, is the question. Um, what do you make of the visit? Because it's been uh, 53, 54 weeks. You know, you and I talked about this. I think it's interesting that Republicans have shamed President Biden into going to this, but yet Republicans have done absolutely nothing. In fact, in some ways, they've obstructed the one thing that could make rural communities safer mm-hmm. from these kinds of disasters, which is the Railroad Safety Act. And the congressman, as we've talked about, who represents that district, went to go to a university. He said, Peace, I'm out. Took a high-paying job. So, I mean, yeah. for the questions about President Biden going late, there's also questions all across Washington about what's been done. Uh, who you got coming up? Mark Green, who also has retired now, one of the very few guys who going out on top, chairman yep. of a major committee saying, I'm 